Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, good morning again. I've said this each year for the last eight and a half years uh, as something like this has happened. I've said, uh, I feel like every month here is Pastor Appreciation Month. You all love our team very, very well. And uh, I know that we have a tremendous staff. So grateful for each of them and celebrate them today. But honestly, I celebrate you. So thank you for providing an environment where every single week they want to show up. You know, like that's how loving and how great that you are, that the pastors every single Sunday rise out of bed excited to come and worship Jesus and be around the people that they love. And that's just a huge reflection of you. And I want to say thank you so much for that. I mentioned Kingdom Builders earlier. Each year, uh, as we get to the middle of November, we have what's called a Miracle Offering Sunday, where we, we invite everyone to bring their best offering to help fund the remainder of the projects that haven't been funded yet this year with Kingdom Builders. And so that'll be taking place a couple of Sundays from now. And uh, we know some of you have been giving since the beginning of the year for Kingdom Builders, but there are also some of you who are new to our church, and you're like, I really want to be a part of that. And so... Uh, we're going to be extending that invitation in a couple of weeks from now for you to be able to be a part of that. You don't want to miss that Sunday. I believe God's going to do something very, very special uh, for us. A couple of weeks ago, we started a new sermon series called Beyond Blessed. It comes from the book Beyond Blessed by Robert Morris. And we've been handing these out. They're at the back of the auditorium. There are still some copies left. If you've not gotten one, we'd love for you to take one uh, today. It's our gift to you. There's no charge for it. And if you say, well, is it one per family? It's one per whoever will read it. And so if you're going to read it, take one. Take one for a friend and give it to them. And uh, if we run out, we will order some more. So on your way out today, you can get those from from that. If you've missed any of these messages, we encourage you to find us at crosspointwaverly.com or YouTube or Spotify and take a listen or watch the previous services. The first week in this series, we discovered that to live beyond blessed takes two legs. It takes the legs of generosity and stewardship. Last week, we talked about how everything is God's. Everything is God, but yet there's an expectation that we would bring our first fruits, our uh, 10% has been set apart by God for himself. This morning, we're going to dive into a passage that many of you are familiar with. It's found in Matthew chapter 25. You can turn in your Bibles to there or scroll on your digital devices, but we're going to talk about being good stewards. And this is such a big and such an important principle that's in the Bible, and so many people miss it. We know that when we give with the right heart, God blesses us. And in the same way that when we give generously, God blesses us uh, supernaturally, in the same way he supernaturally blesses you when you operate your finances according to the biblical standard and good stewardship. So many people don't understand this. It's not just that you moved one item from your budget to another and that the math worked out. It's, It's that God has blessed you. The Beyond Blessed book shares testimony after testimony of people who have gotten their finances in order and then God supernaturally blessed them. We want God's supernatural blessing on our finances so that we can be a blessing. And when you try to get your finances, when you get your finances in order, there will be blessings from heaven. And I would just encourage you to try it. 
And so again, we're talking about being good stewards this week. We have to understand the difference between ownership and stewardship. And when we do, it will change everything in our life. How many of you would love to live with no financial stress? Can I just see your hands? Okay. Well, I'll just tell you this morning that there's not like some kind of program that I'm about to give to you and charge you $19.99 two times a month and, and you can have it. But what I will tell you is this, is that when we understand that we are not the owners and that we are stewards, then we can live with no financial stress, right? When we realize that everything that we have is God's, then it can eliminate that from our life. And so uh, I just want to encourage you with that. It comes from knowing in our hearts that we are not the owners. We are simply the stewards. It's like renting. When you're a renter and something breaks, who do you call? Who do you call? The landlord. Thank you. That's right. Let's think about that term, the landlord. Who is the Lord of the land? When God owns it, he fixes it. And when you own it, it causes a lot of stress. How many this morning have ever stayed in an Airbnb or somebody's vacation home or you've been a guest in somebody else's house? Would you please raise your hand this morning so I can see if I'm not alone? All right, good. So many of you have had that opportunity. A number of years ago, Erica and I were invited by another couple to go stay in somebody's vacation house in Arizona. I didn't know very well the people's house that we were staying in in Arizona, but the couple that we were going with did. And, and in that house, you're just like, I don't want to touch anything because it's not my house. And the bathroom that Eric and I had the privilege of using uh, had a window to the courtyard and no window treatments. I'm just going to help you today, okay? In your primary residence, in your vacation house, in your camper, in your whatever, please, Put window treatments in the bathroom. Nobody wants to see all of that. And so in an effort to have some privacy in that bathroom, I'm trying to figure out how can I make a makeshift curtain for this window. And so I hang a towel somehow over this opening so that we can have a curtain. And guess what happens? The towel fell down. It did. And this is going somewhere where you didn't think it was going, because I can already hear you snickering. Like, that's not where it went. There was a trinket from Latin America on the windowsill that fell to the floor of the bathroom and busted into many pieces. What are you going to do? Pick all the pieces up, throw them in your suitcase, and never tell a soul. Hope that the owner of the house thinks it was their fault or somehow it just disappeared, you know, or that the previous guest broke it. To add to the struggle, Erica and I were broke. I can't even tell you how broke we were because we were that broke. And now I'm looking at a broke piece of pottery and I have no idea whether or not this is a priceless relic from the past. Or if this is just a trinket from somebody's missions trip that they went on. 
And so again, what do you do? I got home. This, the person who owned the house lived in Des Moines. Their house is in Arizona. There was no Amazon two days get it there, you know, where we could just put it there and nobody would ever know. Instead, I had to have a face-to-face conversation with the man whose house that we stayed at. And I said, hey, listen, I'm really sorry, uh, but you should get some window treatments for your bathroom. It's your fault. <laughs> did not say that. I did not say that. But I said, hey, this thing fell in the bathroom, and, uh, and I went online and ordered you one, and it looks exactly like this. I hope that it wasn't a priceless relic, and this is a remake of it, but uh, this is the best that I can do. And I'm just telling you, I hated that feeling. I hated everything about it. Because when you borrow something, when you stay in somebody else's house, you want to return it in better condition than you found it. And here's the question for us. Are we going to give back to God what he is letting us use in better condition? We're the stewards, and he's the owner. Matthew chapter 5, God gives one man five talents. He gives another man two talents and another one talent. And talent is talking about money. It's not talking about ability. Later in the passage, it will talk about he gave them five and two and one according to their ability, but he's talking about a sum of money. And sometimes people read this passage and they think that it's talking about people's abilities. And I'm just telling you, it's talking about money. And even in the passage, it tells us that it's talking about money. And so Jesus is saying, I have given so much money to the, to the ability that they have, and he's expecting money back. He's expecting a return on his investment. And so picking up in verse number 14, Jesus is taking several verses to talk about money. He says, for it will be like a man, Jesus, going on a journey who called his servants, that's believers, and entrusted to them his property. Whose property is it? It's his property. To one he gave five talents. Again, that's a sum of money to another two, to another one. Now, why would he do that? Does that sound fair that one person would get five, one would get two, one would get one? Well, we can see that it's fair, and here's why. The verse continues, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. It means that he did business with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Again, whose money is it? It's the master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. Did you know that Jesus is going to come back? And one of the things that he's going to do is he's going to see how we've handled his money. In verse number 20, and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Many of you have heard this phrase. It's the phrase that all of us want to hear at the end of our uh, race of faith. This is the only place in the Bible where we hear Jesus say this, and he's talking about money. Those who hear well done, thou good and faithful servant, are those who are good stewards. So this morning, have we handled his money so far in a way that that if we were to pass from this life into the next, would we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? The verse continues, you've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, master, you've delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. 
His master said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Notice that it's not about the amounts here. The person who had five, the person who had two, both heard the same words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so in other words, a person who makes a small amount can also hear the same well done as a person who makes a large amount. He says, you've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. He said, my understanding is that you're a hard man. And many people today believe that God is a, is a hard man and they view him this way. It can, the verse continues, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid. Fear is what drove him. He was never generous and never a good steward. He says, I went and hid your talent. Remember, a talent is a sum of money. He says, I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, gathered where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money. Again, Jesus is saying, my money. This is Jesus. He used the word money, and he called it my money. He says, invested it with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. And give it to him who has the ten talents, the guy who will do something with it. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. And for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that this morning that there would be a demonstration of your spirit's power that you would open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. In his book, Robert Morris defines stewardship as the management of the property of another. The management of the property of another. There are three points that we're going to look at this morning, and the first point is going to build on last week, and it's this, I am not the owner. Would you say that with me? I am not the owner. Let's one more time say it. I am not the owner. For me, that's super easy to say because I've been married for the last 20 years and how it works in my house is what's hers is hers and what's mine is hers. And so it's super easy. I am not the owner. Last week I read from Psalm chapter 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In Psalm chapter 50, God says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the cattle and the hills. And in verse number 12, it's really funny. He says this, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and the fullness of it are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Jesus, God's saying, if I were hungry, I'd eat one of my own cows. If I was hungry, I'd eat one of my own chickens or one of my own eggs. If I'm hungry, I'll eat my own vegetables. It's all God's. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. How many of you ladies have a diamond on your finger? Amelia's right here. She just got engaged. She's like, oh, I'm going to raise my hand right now. Everybody look. That diamond was made from God's coal. The car that you drove here today was made by God's ore and his minerals, right? The clothes that you're wearing were made by God's plant. The money that's in your wallet is printed on paper from God's trees. The house that you live in was built by lumber made from God's trees. You see, everything is his. He owns it all. 
So can you imagine any of us saying anything belongs to us and how God would feel about it? Here's what I think we have. I think we have a teenage problem. We have a teenager problem. And not all teenagers do this, but most do. And if you've ever had a teenager, you'll understand what I'm saying. Like uh, you, you, you own a house and you've had this thought. This is not your house. Okay, some of you are a little young, yet your kids are a little young. You're going to get there. So my wife and I are affectionate people. I think my wife just married me for my body. It hurts me when you laugh like that. Okay, when I want you to laugh, you don't. And then in moments like that where you could go, oh, ooh, you know, like anyway, you laugh. Thank you. And so there are times when my wife will plant a kiss on me in front of the children. And so then you start hearing this, eh, uh, uh, 19, 17, uh, Excuse me? This is my house. This whole house is God's house, but you, you understand what I'm saying. If you don't like it, you can leave. And I'm just telling you that we're at a season of life where, you know, like we enjoyed our house without our children in it. And in the coming days, years, I don't know, they're getting older. There's going to be a day when they're going to move out and we're not going to cry. <laughs> there is going to be a party. It's not your house. Baby, you can stay longer than your brother. It's okay. <laughs> My daughter's sitting on the front row, so for those, anyway. <laughs> What's the problem with a teenager? A teenager hasn't transitioned to adulthood yet. And so you have childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. And I just wonder, how many teenagers does God have? People who've gotten stuck in adolescence and haven't moved to adulthood. Do you know when you go from childhood to adolescence to adulthood in the kingdom, it's when you learn to be a good steward and you realize that nothing that you have is yours, it's all his. Otherwise, you're still a teenager living in his house that you think is yours. It's all God. God owns it all. And I'm just telling you, the owner is coming back. A lifetime ago, Erica and I uh, had a house in Norwalk, Iowa, and uh, we were going to be leaving for the summer for two or three months to go to Springfield, Missouri for some training, and the church that we had just resigned from to go do that had a couple of interns that began working that summer, and they needed a place to stay. And so we said, well, it's God's house, so these two people can stay in our house for free. And so we left for Springfield, and how many know that we were coming back? Okay, you catch that. We're coming back to this house. And when we come back, we see this orange spot right in the middle of the hallway of the carpet. And the best way I can describe it to you is when I was younger, I had hair again. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And I thought that it would be fun to change it from brown to blonde. And so I went to Walmart and I thought, hey, you just get the hair color and you put it in. No, you don't. It's not how it works. It went from brown to orange, bright orange. Look like Ronald McDonald. You know, it's just horrible. I think his hair's red. Moving on. <laughs> so there's this orange spot, and, and we come back to it. And so I have no idea uh, 
when all of this transpired, all I know is that they said, hey, we just want you to know something. Did you catch our house on fire? You know, like what happened? Well, when we moved in, we set our bag in the middle of the hallway, and we left it there for a few days, a few weeks, a few months, who knows, and when they eventually picked it up, what they realized is that they had red NyQuil that had leaked all over the carpet. Bless their hearts. And so they did their best to clean it up. And so you know what we did? What do you do? Like, the carpet's stained, right? You're like, God, your carpet is stained. So when we got ready to sell the house, we were like, Lord, please let the people who buy our house really like orange spots in the middle of carpet, or please let them not be able to see it until after closing. In the same way that we returned home, verse number nine says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The owner is coming back, and he's going to settle accounts. A guy in our church texted me this week that he was living his beyond blessed life. And I was working on the message and I had AirPods in my ears listening to music and all of a sudden I received this text and it said, Chris Blanchard, he was here in first service, it says, is living his beyond blessed life. And then it sent me this image of him eating a McRib sandwich from McDonald's. (laughs) He said, my family thinks they are disgusting said, I'd side with your family. I'd have to agree. He was so excited about it. And then he texted me. He said, I think the McRib can preach. He said, if people expectantly anticipate the return of the McRib every year, think about how the church should expectantly anticipate the return of the Lord. And I said, mmm, that'll preach. I'm hearing this audible text in my ear as I'm filling up unsweet tea from the fountain at the deal, and I'm cracking up as I get this text message. I'm glad nobody was standing around me. They had thought I was crazy like you do. So number one, I'm not the owner. Secondly, I'm a steward. God started the whole thing with stewardship. We think about Adam and Eve in the garden. God says, you can live here and you can tend it. You can work the garden. You can eat from any of the things that are there, but that tree right there, you can't eat from it. You know what he was trying to say is every time you walk by this tree, I want you to be reminded of who the owner is, who the creator is. And in essence, what Satan told them is that God didn't want them to eat from the tree because he didn't want them to be like him. He doesn't want you to eat because then you'll be an owner. And you don't have to be the steward anymore. You can be the owner. And and God said to them, you're not going to be the owner. You're not going to be the steward. You're not even going to live here anymore. It all started with stewardship. There is an owner. God is the owner. So in Matthew chapter 25, we see this talk about a talent. A talent is a sum of money, and a talent equals 10,000 denarii, and a denarius was a day's wage. Denarius is singular of the plural denarii. 300 denarii is a year's wage. You'd work around 300 days with Sabbaths and the holidays. And in in John chapter 12, Mary poured out ointment on Jesus' feet. And Judas said, why wasn't that perfume sold for 300 denarii, a year's wage? That's what the perfume would have cost. 10,000 denarii, which is a talent of silver, is a lifetime of wages. It actually takes 33, it's actually 33 and a third years. And a boy started working with his dad when he was 12. 
At the age of 17, he became a laborer, and in Jesus' day, retirement was 50 because the lifespan was shorter. And so when people refer to 10,000 denarii or a talent of silver, that's a lifetime of wages. And so the one who got one talent, don't feel sorry for him. In one swoop, he received a lifetime of wages. Some got twice, and some got five times as much. That's with a talent of silver. Now, a talent of gold is 10 times that. So they make 50 times what an average person makes. By the way, those are called professional athletes. (laughs) So God gave them a sum of money. We don't know if it was a talent of silver or a talent of gold, but either way, it would have been enough for the one, even with one, to live his entire life. And here's the thing that's amazing. In this passage, Jesus says, according to their ability, according to their ability, one talent, two talent, five talents. How many know that our ability can increase? Lord, may we be faithful with what you've given to us. Would you entrust us as you've given us little, and we've been faithful with that to entrust us with more. If you're a five-talent person, God expects five talents back from you. Let's say there's a person who has the ability to give a million dollars, but only gives 500,000. There's another person who only has the ability to give 50, but gives 200. Who's going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? God's judging you not by what he's given somebody else and what they've done with it. He's judging you by what he gave you. God's watching, and one day he's going to come and settle accounts this week, I heard this incredible story of generosity about somebody in our church. And, and I'll tell you, like, uh, somebody didn't come to me and brag about this. So the reality is, is I knew that this person was looking for a car last week. So then I asked a probing question. Are you, are you getting a new car? Are you upgrading your car? That's how this information came to me. Everybody cleared right? Nobody's bragging. Nobody's boasting. This is what happened. And so I asked this question and they said, no, actually what happened was there's this family in our church that needed a car. And God spoke to my heart to give this family a car. And I'm telling you, this was not a beat up junker that this person was like, oh, I can't wait to give this away. This is a really nice car. And somebody in our church this week, compelled by the Holy Spirit, gave their car away. And the reason why they were looking for a different car was because they had given theirs away. Right? I believe God's going to bless them for that. What an incredible story of generosity. Church, we're just stewards. That's all we are. God owns it all. Robert Moore shares another definition of stewardship. He says, to protect and expand the resources of another to protect and expand the resources of another. Notice he wanted his resources expanded. He said to the one who only had one, you could have at least put it in a bank where it would have been protected and expanded. This is what he wanted, and the guy didn't even put it in the bank. He buried it in the ground. God's expecting with what he's given to us for us to protect it and to expand it. We're God's bank. And he's deposited his money in us and is expecting us to protect it and expand it, and the master is keeping record. And so no matter what you do, 
He knows exactly how much you made and how much you gave, which brings us to the final point. Am I a good steward? Am I a good steward? We all are stewards because we don't own anything. He owns it all. So you're a steward, and the question is, are you a good steward or are you a bad steward? Luke chapter 12, verse number 16 says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. He was thinking like an owner and not like a steward. He says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Notice that this man didn't get reprimanded for making lots of money. He didn't get reprimanded for building bigger barns. He didn't get reprimanded for storing it. He got reprimanded for living for himself and not for the kingdom and others. Being a good steward is I'm a steward of everything God has given me to be a blessing when God wants me to be a blessing to somebody. God blesses us supernaturally when we learn stewardship principles. This week, a couple of you texted me news articles about David Green. David Green is the owner of Hobby Lobby. And this week on a couple of different news sites, there was a report of him who sang that he is transitioning the ownership of Hobby Lobby to God. To God. And he said, all these well-meaning attorneys and business people have said to me, why don't you just pass it on to your children? And he said, why in the world would I want to destroy my grandchildren that I've never even met someday? They've been very generous. Sam Johnson was here from Priority One a few weeks ago talking about how David Green had given uh, a tremendous amount of money to help with one of their buildings. And they have... They have funded so many kingdom initiatives around the world. But in this article, he said that he started with a loan of two to $500. I don't remember the exact amount, but it was no more than $500. And he said, nobody believed that we would be successful. But we started with that and the business began to grow. And he said, God bless it. And I realized that my success was not because of me. It was because of God's blessing. He said, as the business continued to expand at one season in his life, he said, I thought I had the Midas touch, that whatever I touched would turn to gold. And he said, God humbled me. And the business began to decline. And then when I realized, again, that success is because of God, not because of human ingenuity or initiative, it's simply the blessings of God, then the blessings returned. And now you have this company that's worth literally billions of dollars. And this man could sit at home and eat and drink and be married. 
and his kids and his grandkids could sit at home for generations to come and eat and drink and be merry. But he said, the success isn't for me. The success is from God. And so it was his business in the beginning, and it's his business moving forward. And so it's going to transition names from his name or whoever's name, whomever's name that it's in to God. Because he wants it to continue to bless kingdom initiatives. It was God's. And I just wonder for us, what would happen if those of us who are one talent people would say, God, it's all yours. Those who are two talent people would say, God, it's all yours. Those who are five talent people would say, God, it's all yours. And you have blessed us all to be a blessing. What would happen? What initiatives could be funded? What lives could be touched? In our day and age, with the resources that are here, we should never see a slide on a Sunday morning that talks about millions of people who have no access to the gospel. Do you know how they get access to the gospel? When we realize that we're not owners and we're stewards, that God has blessed us to be a blessing. And so, God, we're going to take what you have given to us generously, and we're going to bring it back to you. We're going to give it to you, and we're going to trust that those who are far from you would come to know you in our community and those who are around the world. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Matthew chapter 25 continues by talking about the final judgment when the Son of Man will come in his glory and all the angels with him. In verse number 32, it says, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you. As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he'll say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. At the end of this life, there will be a sorting. There will be those that will spend an eternity with God in heaven and those who will spend an eternity in hell away from his presence. And when we think about stewardship this morning, the first step is that we would surrender our lives to him. That we would say, God, I, I don't want to pretend like I am the owner of my life anymore. I want to give it to you. I want to leave the sins from my past and walk in a present and a future that's been set free. 
I don't want to continue with the old way that I've been doing things. Instead, I want to walk in the new way that you've prepared for me. The Bible tells us that our lives are not our own, that we've been bought with a price. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that those who would believe in him should not perish but come to everlasting life. So this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit's tugging at some of your hearts to say, God, I want to become a follower of you. I want to lay it all down. Maybe there are others of you who've come in who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. One, two, you can put them down. Are there others this morning? Let's all stand. There were at least two hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. Thank you, Lord. If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, we want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made, the journey that God's going to take you on. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We leave time at the end of each of our services for those who want to receive prayer for anything to come forward. Prayer team in just a moment is going to join right up here at the front of both sides of the stage. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. And as they do, if you've come here today wanting prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to take a step out of your seat and come forward this morning. I want to pray for us. Then the worship team will lead us in that song. And I'd encourage you to step out. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit that's at work in this very moment. We thank you for the two people whose hearts were turned towards you today. God, as we look at at these words today, with our lives, with our whole lives, help us to steward it in such a way that brings you glory. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions, our work ethic, our love of others. 
everything about us, God, we ask that you would help us to bring glory and honor to you. We know that one day you're going to come back. And Lord, I pray that it would be said of each person in this room, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so, Lord, even in an area that seems so personal to us, Lord, I pray that in our finances that you would help us to, number one, be generous, number two, to be great stewards. And that you would bless us not for prosperity or for materialistic sake, but instead to be a blessing. God, we're grateful for the stories that we heard this week of meals that were paid for by people and snacks that were purchased in a gas station by people saying they're living beyond blessing and, and even as big as a car being given away. But Lord, there's so much more that you want to do in us. And so, Lord, help us not get fixated on what somebody else did and what somebody else has. But according to our ability, Lord, would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.